Welcome to the Music Business Podcast. Whether you're an aspiring music business professional or a seasoned vet, every Thursday, the Music Business Podcast brings you the trends, tactics, and insights from some of the world's brightest minds in music. I'm Jordan Williams of EQT Management. And I'm Sam Heisel from Knox. We're not teachers. We're entertainment industry professionals, drinkers, wannabe comedians, and most importantly, fans. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Music Business Podcast. Today, super excited to have on Jordy Ross, aka Jordy and Ross himself. Uh, Jordy is a really awesome individual. He currently runs a company called Animal House. They do a bunch of different things from artist management to party promotion and production. Uh, and one of my favorite things, which is his party series and party brand, Third Shift NYC. Third Shift alone uh, in New York has been able to book some major artists super early. Uh, he was one of the first promoters in New York to book Trippy Red, Young Bands. He's also had experience putting on shows with Migos, Lil Uzi, Gucci Mane. The list goes on and on. What really excites me about this episode that you guys are about to check out is that Jordy has a really, really unique perspective. I think he's done all of this in a very tactful and smart way that's been able him to create these really cool brands that have this awesome underground edge um, while still building successful, profitable businesses. I think one thing that's really interesting to me is I'm not really tapped into the lives of tastemakers that much. I mean, obviously, I work in artist management, and that's a different type of culture curation. But as somebody who that's their entire job and they have to be efficient and proficient in so many arenas, I'm not necessarily privy to what the day-to-day is like. And I'm super glad that we were able to dive into that, as well as how he benefits other companies from that perspective, too. Couldn't agree more. So without any further ado, let's get into it. Jordy, what's good, bro? Welcome to the podcast, man. What's up? Thanks for having me, Yeah, for sure. Super excited about this one. Um, Yeah, I mean, I've known you. I can't remember. I think we we met just via Instagram talking, turned into actual relationships. So it's been really cool to see the work you've been doing. Um, For starters, can you just talk a little bit about kind of the lay of the land as far as your projects? I know you're working on a couple different brands, Third Shift, Animal House. Uh, Be great to start right there. Yeah, man. Uh, It's a lot. But uh, I founded a company called Animal House 2011. Uh, we started really just throwing concerts and shows out in Ohio uh, with the intentions of building a platform for some of our artists. Uh, since then, that's kind of evolved into a event and artist management company. So we have different properties under that, Third Shift being one. Um, we manage two artists as well, a rapper, singer, uh, and a producer as well. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the, the Animal House lay of the land. And then I have what some personal names. Feel free to plug it, man. Oh, yeah, man. I manage uh, my boy Lucky out of Chicago. He used to go by Lucky X. Um, Lil Lowski, who's out of Ohio. Um, she, he's a 19, young kid, you know, making a lot of noise for himself right now. Um, and then we're working with um, Young Lunchbox, who's out of Harlem. He's Sheck Shex West's like main guy. He's got six on the new project, Mud Boy. Um, and then we're doing a little bit of other work that. It's kind of not official right now with some different artists as well. Um, yeah, man, we also do a little bit of consultant work, too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll partner with, like, let's say a 300 to do an album release event for an artist. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or we'll do, like, an, you know, we've done some stuff with RCA. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it just varies, man. It's really just animals just with, like, that creative outlet that I built so that we could do projects through music. You know? For sure. And um, it's just been evolving. I think. Yeah. I think now... You know, three years in here in New York, kind of learn a little bit more in the business. Right. Um, you know, we've kind of been able to 
you know, put our feet in some concrete and mm-hmm. really decide what it's going to be and what it's not going to be. Totally, totally. Yep. Now, I think one of the coolest things about the the party, about Third Shift too, you already alluded to some of the work with like RCA and 300, but just the fact that it's become, um, I mean, such a staple to the fa- to the point that different labels are trying to like plug their own artists. Yeah. Right, right. right. Yeah, it's really cool. What I mean, can you talk a little bit about the evolution of Third Shift? I mean, uh, you guys have booked some super awesome artists super early. Yeah, man. Um, it's funny because even when I was out in Ohio, you know, I come from like an event promotion background, even from when I was a shorty, you know, like mm-hmm. some of my homies were doing big parties out in Ohio, just regular parties. Um, and then I went to college. Uh, I pledged Alpha Phi Alpha there, met my big bros there. And that's how I got into concert promotion, booking artists, et cetera. And this uh, was all in Ohio? Yeah, this is all in Ohio. But I said that to say, like, I never really had a passion for throwing parties. I really just wanted to do really cool concerts. Mm-hmm. Um, when we moved here, um, you know, third shift, throwing parties, it was an easy way to kind of insert ourselves into the market, uh, meet a lot of different artists, DJs, producers, tastemakers, influencers, et cetera, and also just kind of build a you know a brand and aesthetic around what we are, who we are, what we stand for. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started actually at Elvis Guest House, which is a pretty historic venue here in New York, RIP. Uh, we just started there. We booked some DJs. Oh, Dallas, I think, played the first one. Now she's out doing her thing. She's mm-hmm. at Art Basel this weekend, killing yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Shout out to O. Um, and then I think we did, we did Elvis again, and then we moved over to Rumpus Room. And uh, through a friend of ours that works at RCA, we ended up having... Nebuchadnezzar pop out as a special guest. Yep. And I was kind of like the first time we had an artist be a special guest at Third Shift. And then, um, you know, just our background being concert promotions and liking to create opportunities for artists, we just kind of kept running with that model. Mm-hmm. So since then, we've did... Um, that was Derek? No, nah, that was Mommy KJ. But I know Derek Oh, too. KJ. Yeah. yeah, I know KJ too. Yeah, so KJ actually, he used to manage, I think he manages Nebuchadnezzar. I don't know what yeah, the situation is Yeah, I'm on text now. with him right now, actually. Yeah. Um, so then after that, we did... But Swoosh God, we did Trippy Reds, album release and after party. Cousin Stiz, uh, we did Young Nudie and Key over at Highline Ballroom. Uh, and then, you know, there's always people that kind of just pop out, like special guests, like like you were talking to me before about like, ASAP Rocky. He's been through a couple third shifts before. Um, yeah, man. Just- so booking talent, man, I feel like. I mean, young bands, Trippy Red, like Trippy yeah, Red. I didn't even but, mention bands. Yeah, 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 yeah. we did bands. So. <laughs> They're fucking huge. Yeah, Lil Skies was in the building. Uh, and yeah, yeah it's, it's always, you know, I mean, it's New York, so it's not, you know, I love what we do, but I, I never try to, you know, say that we're recreating any will. I think we just, you know, found a found a, a good void in the market and right. then was able to apply our taste For and, sure. people, and people fuck with it. What, what do you think the, the void is that you're tackling? Well, I think then... Um, I think then I just didn't see it, that particular type of party happening. I mean, there mm-hmm. were people kind of doing it, but I think, you know, with me and Will and Kobe, I think we have a certain appreciation and kind of love for the underground mm-hmm. and those emerging artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody was really creating moments for around that. You know? Right. So that's just, it's just so natural to us. It was easy. For Came sure. Easy, you know. Totally. What's your process like for finding the artists to work with? Whoever we're listening to, to be honest, yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, now now it's a little bit different, you know, because art, you know, we got relationships with different labels and they're trying to plug right. talent. So we might be getting seated talent and stuff like that. But for the most part, man, if we're not, if we don't rock with it, if we don't vibe with it, you know, it's probably not going to be a, 
they're not going to perform on our stage. And then, um, of course, we pay attention to the market to see what's trending, see what's mm-hmm. hot. You know, a lot of people try to term, they use this term like trend forecasting as far as like what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we pay attention to the market and just look at what's trending. Like, you know, I'm not going to drop any names, but there's a couple of people we got our eyes on right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, the, you know, New York is real competitive, man. So I'm yeah, gonna just man. keep keep my yeah. <laughs> keep my space tucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I know that. Um, we have people that have like private Instagrams. Yeah, because when they follow new artists, they don't want people to like see who they're following. Yeah, know? man. I mean, that's even why. I mean, if you look at my Twitter, bro. Like I used to share a lot on Twitter. I don't share. I don't share <laughs> as much anymore, man. Because even when I was in Ohio, I noticed. Even more so in Ohio, because that's when I was really, really adamant about sharing and just, you know, getting people accustomed to who I was and what I wanted to mm-hmm. share on the internet. I noticed all these, you know, ANRs, kind of lower level ANRs though, just like following and they'll see me tweet something and they'll tweet it out or and, and that's just the way the internet works. But now I don't really share that much. My partner Will though is, you know, he's pretty dope on Twitter and uh it's just crazy to see his influence on Twitter because you can literally see people like replicating his his taste and like right. and what he's listening to or he'll tweet some shit out and the next thing you know Pitchfork is writing about it and now have you ever been like yo just don't like delete that tweet <laughs> nah man cause I think it's just it's 2018 bro it's like sharing is caring man so it's <laughs> like I don't know bro it's just it's just, it's a slippery slope you know it's kind of like a it's like an IP thing right in a way, it's like intellectual property, but how do you protect that on a platform like Twitter or right? You know, and you want to keep sharing just because that's the nature of what we what we're doing, just sharing mm-hmm. information, sharing what we like. So I don't know. I try not to think about it too much. Um, I just just fell back off of Twitter a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure, for sure. <laughs> what is the scene like? Sorry, Sam. What what is the scene like in uh, Columbus? I'm like wondering like what. You know, because I don't, I don't know too many people. I obviously know some people that left Columbus, went to L.A., went to yeah. New York. But what is it like there? Like, what was it like coming up there? Man, Columbus is really, really, really urban. You know, out outside of I guess what's not urban. It's like you got you got your suburban areas and you got your really urban areas. It's not really like a mixture. You know, I think now I haven't been there in a while, but I definitely see now like this. You know, there's a hell of development and stuff going on. But growing up, man, you know. I don't know where to, I don't even know where to start. It was it was crazy, you know. It was kind of crazy for me in Columbus, man. Like I actually just kind of had a had a uh, one of my best friends just passed. He got shot in the neck a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I grew up in you know not the toughest environment, but definitely you know neighborhood centric kind of gang related you know environments where I stayed on my side of town. You know, I, I went twenty deep everywhere I went. Right. You know, because it was always a situation where it might be pressure just based on where I lived at. Um, and you know, I had guys in my neighborhood who, uh, shout out my homie Dez. He was like one of the kind of early tastemakers in Ohio or mm-hmm. Columbus. Um, he had like a really real, like real big parties going on. So we kind of all gravitated around him, around some DJs and we started doing parties in, uh, in, you know, Columbus growing up. And I was just like a flyer boy at that time. Wasn't even supposed to be in the club. I was like 16. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, you know. After that, you know, once I kind of grew up, went to college, came home, um, we have this area in, in Columbus, it's, uh, or the street called High Street. And, you know, right downtown is this area called the Short North. So this area is a historic arts district. And it used to be where 
all the young entrepreneurs would open up shops, you know. So like So Classics is a shop that I used to work at with my guys, a sneaker boutique. And then one of my guys ran, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a boutique called Milk Bar. Uh, so that's where like all the young creatives kind of came up around like skaters and, you know, videographers. I used to do video myself. Uh, you know, the rappers used to hang out down there, all the young tastemakers, people who wanted to be involved creatively. That was our hub down there to create. And since then, it's just been gentrified like hell. And, <laughs> you know, it's impossible to maintain rent and shit out there. But yeah, yeah. that's what, that, yeah, you know, so it's a good vibe, man. I think, you know, even before I did 30, Courtesy Of, I did. So when I moved to Chicago in like 2012 to 2013, I came home. I was like, yo, man, we got to shake the scene up again. Like, you know, it's getting static. It's back to this. It's back to either straight hood stuff or just, you know, straight suburban stuff. Right. So, I, you know, I started this party called Courtesy Of. Um where I would have like DJs come up from Cincinnati or Cleveland, meet us in meet us in Columbus, and I would book different hosts, my homegirls that lived out in Cleveland or Cincinnati. You know, we're all like an hour apart each way, mm-hmm. um, and that just created like a real hub in Columbus again for like people that wanted to be involved with the scene and create or host or rap or whatever. Um, and we used that platform just like we're using courtesy of like Lucky came out and performed. I had my homies Joe Fresh Good and Vic Lloyd come down from Chicago to spend a couple different times. Um, so that was kind of like the precursor to what third shift is now, honestly. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so valuable just from, uh, thinking long-term, if you're trying to like manage artists, uh, really help your own artist blow to be able to build platforms like this, where you can kind of create a community around showcasing other people. And then yeah. when you do want to plug your own artists, like, right. you like set yourself up for success there. That's super cool. Um, when it comes to actually like promoting parties i think like a lot of times people may have dope talent but just can't get people to come like can you talk through some of your like lessons learned when it comes to like making sure people are coming getting the party popping uh to be honest man i've never really had a hard time bringing people out (laughs) Mm -hmm. just because i think you know we have we bring a quality a certain quality right you know, uh, I think in New York recently, I've kind of noticed oversaturation of what we kind of were doing a little mm-hmm. bit. So that's why, you know, like you came to the brunch Sunday, right? So we're just kind of mixing things up. Right. I, and then, I, you know, we also growing up, you know, I, how much do I really want to continue to be in the club like right. on a weekly or monthly basis? Um, but I think just based on like our taste levels and, you know, I always tell people we try to create a, a cool synergy around our events, whether it be the hosts and DJs, the artists. So that network, essentially, once you get the right network involved, the message just kind of spreads itself. Mm-hmm. But then also, you know, we'll, we'll do cool stuff on like Instagram. Like I love, I love our aesthetic, you know, like our videos, our video promotion tactics and all that mm-hmm. good stuff. And then, you know, things like newsletters, all the traditional stuff. I don't know, man. It's not like a I don't have a secret right, so recipe. Yeah, yeah, I just, sure. you know, I just believe in a product and we push it as so. Yeah. Um, a lot of people rock with what we're doing. So mm-hmm. the message just kind of spreads organically. Yeah. You do a good job locking in hosts, too. And I feel like that's a super important aspect to getting, like, influential people to, like... Yeah, definitely. I mean, that 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 definitely helps. Yeah. That definitely helps, man. Just because, uh, again, just building that synergy, you know? Super cool, man. So, one of the really fun, like, party stories uh, was the time the party got shut down at Kimfolk. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, man. I'll keep it short. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It was Memorial Day. 2016. Um, I think we had did Kenfolk maybe like once or twice before that. Shout out to my homie Jonas over there for plugging us. He's been a big help for us out here in New York. 
Um, but yeah, man, we just, uh, I forget who we, who we had booked exactly. I think we had Odalis, Angelin Dren, maybe Yellow Arkell's going by Yellow Tech now. So we had a really strong DJ lineup. And then we had Swoosh God, um, who is kind of affiliated with the whole ASAP mob right. and, you know, the V-Lone guys. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, um, I think he's from Queens originally. Um, and at the time he had a song that was kind of blowing up. Two Door? Get, get Out My Face. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I think that's how it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's famous, famous Dex is on it. And um, the song was just dope, man. And the energy behind it, I think, was just really what kind of drove that moment, you know? And then, you know, we had kind of some things, stars align, right? It's the holiday. Nobody yeah. worked the next day. Right. But long story short, oh, I also had my homie Flea. Who's from Queens? Okay, I've become an artist here in New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the best artists in New York, I believe. Easy, yep. but easy, yeah. right? Anyway, uh, <laughs> so yeah, we um, we just created this moment, man, and you know, like an hour into the event, the venue's packed, the line is down a block. Um, we find out ASAP Rocky's on the way. He's getting ready to perform uh, "Raph," which I just can't kind of came Damn. out, right? And I mean, him performing too, not even just pulling up. Yeah, right. he was going to come how'd out. That, how'd that happen? Uh, I mean, just those are just, yeah, yeah, those are just the organic things that happen, man, when, when the stars align, to right. be honest. Right. You know, um, <clears throat> like I said, the song had kind of just came out. Um, I was working with my homie Barter, who manages uh, Swoosh God, and mm-hmm. he was just like, yo, Rocky's about to pull up. He wants to perform for Perform rap is that cool? I'm yeah. like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like nah, bro, nah. Yeah, yeah, right. We don't got no time for Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, by the time Rocky pulled up, you know, the door was just so hectic, and um, there was just a group of wild guys. I won't name them, but uh, they just wasn't trying to wait in line. You know, <laughs> they wasn't having it. Yeah, and they end up. Long story short, they end up like fighting security. Damn. To get yeah. in? Yeah. That's after that's after Rocky showed up? This is like while Rocky was pulling up. Oh, damn. Yeah, so Rocky didn't even get a chance to get in. So they as soon as they fought security, they was like, oh, it's over. Everybody we tried We tried to like, like me and Jonas was like trying to keep the, because it was crazy. Like the moment was too, we didn't want yeah. to shut down, yeah. you know? We're like, nah. So we, we tried to push everybody out and shut the doors and then. The side door got open somehow, so then they Damn. run through the side door, then they wow. fighting at the side door Jesus again. Christ. It was crazy, man. So, um, so yeah, they shut 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 the event down. Everybody ended up coming outside. Next thing you know, it's like a thousand people on the block, and we all sat out there for like a good probably like thirty minutes, nothing long. Yeah, you know, people had their doors open. Rocky's out there in the Range Rover, bar is outside. Yeah. So it was just it was just a moment, right. you know. And then um. Obviously, people start tweeting about it like, yo, man, Jordy and Will, and they, they keep shutting venues down. I think right. that might have been like the second time or third time that our, you know, our parties were just like at capacity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, you know, the, the legend start building. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah, kind of yeah, that yeah. kind of put the icing on the cake. And then Mass Appeal wrote a really good article about us mm-hmm. um, and just highlighted it. And that kind of just like blew everything up a little bit. For sure. I mean, you talk about the stars aligning. I mean, like there's just so much you can do. And then there's just these things that just yeah. happen. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, that's what I, you know, that's why I don't like. One of my homies, like, I remember during our Grammy party, right? He walked up to me, he was like, yo, man, you got to talk more shit, man. Get in your bag, bro. <laughs> <laughs> y'all, them, y'all them niggas. Da, da, da. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, I know. But um, I always just kind of, well, not always. I used to have a wild mouth for me. But yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know, man. I think a lot of it is just, like you said, bro, we'll put the pieces together and then, Stars in line for us, man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, luckily we're able to 
just always be in line, you know? Yeah. No, that's, that's powerful. As you got uh, bigger and bigger, what do you think are some of the skills that helped you like scale some of the things that kind of helped you bring Animal House together as a as a company? Um, and maybe some of the, the failures that you went through just as a business owner and how you learned from them? Well, I think some of the skills, um, obviously event production as a whole, mm-hmm. stage management as a whole too. I see a lot of people not be able to control their stage. Yeah. I think I've always just taken that for granted. It's something that I'm good at. Right. A lot of times I got to yell at managers, artists, DJs. Like I've almost fought an artist <laughs> at one of my, I literally had to kick one of my artists off stage one time. Like, it got crazy, but I, you know, at that point, I wasn't even thinking about it as like, yo, I gotta, I'm just refining my skills and getting better. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just keeping everything in line, you right? Because mm-hmm. I understand how to be punctual and get things done. Um, so yeah, I think you know, artist management is something that within this last year, I've gotten a lot of experience with that. With Lucky, um, what else? Talent booking is something I've been doing since 2011, so that's not really too hard. Uh, and then just the general know-how, I think, of the business, man, just being able to be, you know, do business in a, in a, in a way that's courteous to people that mm-hmm. they would want to work with you again. And they'll mm-hmm. speak positively about your, you know, your properties and your programs and shit like that. So, um, but yeah, man, some of my failures, I think, um, you know, I was just talking to my homegirl, Venice. Um, uh, she came up here from Ohio too. She runs, she used to run a blog called Ohio Streets. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of like, in Ohio at the forefront of like pushing, creating platforms for our artists and just mm-hmm. creatives in general. But anyway, I was telling her, I was like, yo, man, you know, one of the things I realized over the last three years being here, like being early and being cool isn't a successful business model. You know, you got to find out how to refine that and make it actually profitable. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot of times, like, yo, like in Ohio, like, right, I had our big, one of our biggest shows was Kendrick Lamar, uh, like right after Section 80. Huh. And like we did like 900 people, but capacity was like 1,100. It should have sold out. He had right. just he had just sold out DC the week before mm-hmm. at like I think like 15 to 2,000 capacity spot. Huh. And then you know same thing with like 21 Savage. We did 21 Savage in Ohio super early, and there might have been 400 people in the building. Mm-hmm. Now he's nominated for like what three or four Grammys yeah. or some crazy, yeah. you know. So I think just like having a passion for being early and then. Also having a passion for making a profit. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of been something that we've been, you know, just kind of turning out will within the last like 12 to 18 months is figuring out how we, you know, let's keep doing what we do, but we all got bills to pay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I always yeah. think that's a super funny thing that I heard about the music industry getting older. Yeah. It was like yo, I don't do this for the money. Like, I'm doing this because I'm passionate about it. Like, the money will come second. And in some mm-hmm. ways, that's that's right. Like, the money the money in some situations would be like, oh, like, I'm getting a check for this. This is cool. Yeah. I didn't expect this. But in a lot of ways, you have to be deliberate about it. Yeah. You got to be like, yo, so how do we how do we turn this song into something that makes money? Or yeah. how do we turn this record into something that makes money? Or how do we turn this party into something that makes money and not right. just something that everybody comes to to have a good time and get right. messed up? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's something that I lost my thoughts. Sorry. But yeah, I think that's something that we just we've definitely, you know, been paying a lot more attention to as far as just like, yo, let's make sure uh, everything we're doing. I don't care how small it is. I, I don't we're not losing a dime. Right. You know what I'm saying? We're not investing into the brand anymore. We're not investing into the culture anymore. Like we're not doing right. any of that. Um, but I would definitely say 
to speak to what you said about people like, you know, yo, the money will come later. I mean, that's always kind of been my approach. And even from a business standpoint, running Animal House, I've always told like my partners and my business partners and even people that just ask, I'm like, yo, we, I low key need a CEO because I enjoy getting things done, executing and bringing a vision to life. But as far as like really turning our business models up and being deliberate about the business, right? It's not anything that I really enjoy doing. Right. To be honest, like I can do it. I'm stepping into it now, but there's a reason why, you know, I haven't really kind of been in that space a <laughs> right, lot. Right. Know? I like uh I like marketing, man. I like, you know, curating and you know, just producing. For sure. Production. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. On the flip, like We've been talking about a lot of the amazing like progress you guys have had to date. What have been some of the like the biggest failures you've had or like shit shows when it came to like hosting events? That, and and what did you kind of like take away from those those moments? Let me think here. There's two on my mind, but I'm trying to think if there's something else that maybe is a little bit more my fault. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> no, nah, real real shit. Um, let me think here. All right, well, I'll just speak to those two, right? So about two years ago, I did a show in Ohio. I did two shows in Ohio. We did a Migos concert, and um, I did a Gucci Man concert. And these are two big shows that aren't typical Animal House concerts. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I had just moved up here. I had some extra capital at the time. And I'm like, yo, let's just flip some bread so we'll have more capital to right. Keep creating. Right. So I partnered with a guy who I've known for like 15 plus years. He went to he went to preschool with my brother, my older brother. Wow. Right. Uh, long story short, he tried to run off for of like forty thousand dollars in my Damn. money. Damn. You know what I'm saying? Um. So I don't know what lesson was learned there. So he didn't do it though. Well, I ended up having to get my lawyer involved. Yeah. I was out of that working capital for about six to eight months. Mm. Um, definitely slowed everything we were doing up, um, you know. But I, I say it, I say that to say like I had all my paperwork right, mm -hmm. so I was able to go just pursue it and really get my money back, you know. But it took me six to eight months. I had to pay my lawyer about five grand, so it's pain. Yeah, it was it was a pain. So I, you know, the lesson in that I don't know. Like, don't trust people. Like, I don't yeah. want to, you know, I don't want to yeah. be out here moving like that. Right. But <laughs> you know, I, you know, definitely. Maybe vet my sources a little bit more, but again, like he's done business with my brother before, mm -hmm. um, and I've known him for so long, so it was just real unfortunate, man. And then I think on top of that, my biggest one, one of another failure we had, um, we booked Cameron, which is another show that I typically wouldn't have done. That's, that doesn't align with, with right. who we are. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a good, it was a good opportunity to create a stamp here in New York. Cameron in New York, Animal House, like, why are they doing? Right. And then we took him to Ohio, too. So Cameron in New York went off without a hitch. Yeah. Right. Sold out show. Uh, you know, thousand plus people hollering in ballroom, packed out. Nice. Beautiful. Columbus, Ohio, he doesn't call me until two hours before doors open and say he's not going to make it. Damn. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know... A little embarrassing. I didn't really care because people know that I do legit business. So it's not like right. they know it wasn't on me. Yeah. Um, and they come to find out Cameron just he'll skip. He's been skipping out on Columbus Ohio shows for like a while now. So 
you know, there's been a little bit of talk about why he might not want to come back. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we ended up we ended up resolving that too. Just kind of had to get my legal involved. Um, so yeah, I guess that lesson would be always keep your business right with your legal. Right. So you can go and protect yourself, right? And then also I think just you know, now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, it's just, yo, we gotta stick to our guns. Like that's not what we do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like we have we have we've had big shows with Uzi Vert. Right. Uh, you know, we've done Post Malone. So, you know, that those align more with who we are and mm-hmm. the type of artists we like to push yeah. and get behind. Right. Um Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, big man. learnings, no doubt. I'm learning a lot with Lucky too. Yeah. From an artist management standpoint. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna say you're like filling in all the holes by doing all these different things. Yeah, I'm learning. I'm learning a shit ton with Lucky, mm-hmm. just because you know he's a uh, he's like your underground king, like anarchist. Like I don't want to listen to nothing. I'm doing mm-hmm. shit my way, right? Um, <laughs> which is what makes him who he is, you know. Right. So just having that balance of trying to control that to a degree and allowing him to be him. Um, you know, there's been some. You know, there's been a lot that we've learned. Uh, getting shitty deals thrown at us, mm-hmm. uh, having A and R's threaten us, and like, damn, damn, yeah, like threaten us because we didn't want to sign their deal. Damn, that shit is uh, too real. That's like some empire shit. Yeah, man, <laughs> it was a it was a really interesting moment because I couldn't believe it. It was right. like some shit off like you'll see like a '90s rap movie or something. Right, that's like, what I'm saying. Like, really, are you Suge Knight? <laughs> like, right, you know, and it was, it's unfortunate because I thought you know I thought our relationship was strong enough to. It to never had to go there, you know, right. like over some business. Like, yo, we don't, you know, the contract's bad. Let's restructure it. Let's sit down again, right. try to figure out how to make it work. But we're not, I'm not going to sign my artist into a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, you know, I can't do that. It's yeah. my first artist. Too, yeah. So. so, yeah, man, those are a couple, yeah, couple lessons. Sure. You know what I mean? So it's all about. Yeah. Um, one interesting thing I want to dive into is I think the, uh, like the label marketing stuff you guys are doing when it comes to just like helping put on different artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I was talking, it's almost like a media stop. Like if somebody's on like a press run mm-hmm. in New York, like getting yeah. booked at a third shift party is a good look for the right artist. Yeah. Um, I mean, is that another, I mean, that just kind of came to you inbound after really focusing on throwing the parties or did you really kind of like set out and, and start pitching and how did that start to come? Because I find that to be an interesting model on both sides for you guys as well as for labels. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, so again, you know, it kind of happened organically, right? Yeah. At first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, third shift was something that we didn't charge to start, you know, something that we just wanted to right. bring people mm-hmm. into a cool environment and mm-hmm. um, create a good time. So that was, you know, we started to see that possibility, um, you know, through it happening organically originally. And then we got approached from one of our homies at the label. And then we just like, yo, we know y'all got a budget. Like, yeah, yeah, throw yeah. some bread. <laughs> <laughs> you know, throw some bread yeah. so that we can, one, step up our production. And then, two, take care of our labor. You know, right. we, this For isn't sure. free. We're providing service. Totally, totally. So a lot of it is really just being able to, like, you know, Put your dick on the table and be yeah, like, yo, yeah, like, yeah, we're yeah, providing yeah. a service for you guys. Right. Like, this isn't for sure. You know, that's not let's call it what it is. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, to be fair, there's there's another group in the market who kind of laid that blueprint out for us too. Mm-hmm. Um, we were trying to figure out a working situation between the two of us and it, we couldn't figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, 
there's people in the market that have done some similar right, stuff. Right, and, right. you know, we just, it was it was a business model we were able to kind of adapt for into sure. real quick. That's awesome. Yeah, and then just through relationships too. You know, people yeah. see stuff and then people start calling. So totally. it's a combination of all that. Yeah, 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 for sure. Dope. Um, One thing regarding like uh, another interesting area where I see you playing in is kind of the collaboration between like the culture and brands. Uh, yeah. Like between like 10 Deep and International Champions Cup. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the project you're working on when it comes to like helping brands tap into the culture? Yeah, man. Um, I guess just to give you a little bit more about my background because, you know, I love music, but I right. also have two degrees. Yeah. I went to school for marketing communications <clears throat> and then I went to school for uh, arts and entertainment management. Awesome. So, you know, I've always, I've always had a passion for, you know, like event production, sponsorship, touring, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. you know, branding, right. marketing, et cetera. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, but to speak on 10 Deep and International Champions Cup, it's really just about, you know, I've always wanted to, I've always wanted to just be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Right. And understand my leverage and be able to leverage who I am and what I'm good at instead of having people hire me to just put me in a box and say, yo, go do this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I understand that I have value in the culture. I understand how the culture works, right? And, um, you know, 10 Deep is a streetwear company where they have a interest for years now in music and the culture at a grassroots level. Um, so I'm just naturally able to leverage what I know, my network, um, again, trend trends and stuff like right. that, and, you know, be able to provide that for 10 deep mm -hmm. as something that is valuable. Totally. Um, and same thing with International Champions Cup. Um, you know, that relationship developed through one of my best friends who- Can you managed, tell people what that is? Yeah, so International Champions Cup is uh, it's a soccer tournament here in the United States um, where we actually bring over like the best teams from Europe, Germany. Um, it's kind of like a UEFA rendition of what's going on over in Europe. Um, but we have a couple different properties within ICC. So there's uh, there's ICC men's, there's ICC women's, then we have ICC futures, which I think you saw me working this summer, mm -hmm. which is a big U14 tournament. Uh, and I was blessed to work that. It was amazing just seeing these kids at 14, and you know they grow up on these in these uh, these academies. They mm -hmm. live at the you know the stadiums or the dorms, wherever whatever they have going on over there in Europe, and you know wherever it might be. Um, and then they also have a property called House of Soccer. So House of Soccer is our experiential kind of marketing activation that kind of just brings the culture into what we are. So mm -hmm. it's like a big branding opportunity. A lot of what kind of like there, it's like a soccer third shift almost or right. some shit, right? Um, so yeah, man, just through that relationship, through my boy who who works over there, um, we were able to kind of have some cool conversations where they saw value in what I was doing. Mm -hmm. You know, I showed outline what animal I said, showed them some right. of the third shift stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'm kind of working there at a consultant level. That's beautiful. Yeah. So is that mostly consultant work or also, I mean, you said also like third shift, is it, is it kind of a mix of that or like what, what is, what's the day to day like doing something like that? Well, no, third shift is still just my property. So they don't have right. anything to do with it. I just right. mentioned, but I'm saying, do they, that, do they incorporate, do you incorporate third shift in that work at all? Well, you know so we have we have partners. So we have branding partners like mm -hmm. Heineken, and like we're pitching a couple other different partners. I might not probably shouldn't speak on, but <laughs> um, you know, like gaming partners, yeah, um, car partners, whatever. So when you know when applicable, I can throw that third shift back into the conversation and say, right. oh, you know, as relevant, which is the 
you know, the umbrella property relevant. We have this, we also have this kind of cultural driven property that we have third shift and kind of just insert that into the conversation right. and see if that, see if it's something that one of the marketing managers wants, wants to bite on. Yeah, for sure. Um, but my day to day really, man, I'm there like five days a week now. Oh, okay. Word. Like every day. Yeah. So just because one, like I said, I was, well, I was telling you earlier, um, the CEO invited me to run my, my business out of there before I even started working with them. So I was already just working out of there, period. Right. But now um, I'm working with the talent management group. I'm working with the content group. And I'm working alongside the the uh, event kind of experiential house of soccer group as well. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I mean, it makes sense. Cause, I mean, I think just brands in general, I think like so much culture is dictated and kind of like the first domino of, yeah. Uh, especially in regards to like lifestyle and uh, lifestyle brands, like being able to get in organic collaborations and endorsements with different artists and different right. local tastemakers. It doesn't have to be like big people too. I think oftentimes right. like brands think like, oh, we need to spend millions of dollars hiring this major spokesperson. Right. It's like, I'd say like, I mean, even from a business standpoint, you're way better off finding these like really cool people. The micro influencers, yeah, right? Micro That's what they kind of call them. Ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah, man. I mean, I've been, uh, I've been studying Steve Stout a lot just because, you know, that's kind of his lane yeah. with translation. And, you know, he talks about like cultural capital a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something I've just been kind of like, and, you know, luckily the CEO understands that. Yeah. Um, so the conversation is pretty seamless. He just understands that I have a good grasp on at least a decent grasp on, you know, what that world looks like and feels yeah. like. Right. So then I can apply my knowledge, you know, to what essentially is a on a grander scale because we're doing like mm-hmm. million, billion dollar deals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and just kind of figure out how to, you know, slowly but surely do some grassroots marketing alongside right. what we got going right. on and then also incorporate, you know, some type of cool into what we already have. For going sure, on. right. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of times stuff can just feel so too big or too corporate and you miss out on a market that might be interested if you just learn how to speak to them. Yeah, exactly. You know, totally, man. Well, one thing we like to do in all our shows is have like a hot take segment where it's like, it might not necessarily be things we believe, but it's stuff we might, might be hearing. Um, I just want to get your, your takes on it. So one of the hot takes is, uh, big streams in regards to artists like big streams and big social followings will easily lead to like shows with lots of tickets sold. Is that true or false? False. And then I mean well, explain on I, that. Yeah, what please. do you <laughs> Well, I immediately thought about an artist that I know that's trying to sell some tickets right now. Yeah. He has a big streaming following, big social following. His social following is actually really dope. He's one of the best on Twitter. Uh but I know he's having trouble selling shows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another artist I think about too is is Young Thug. Mm-hmm. You know, he's I'm, I don't know his streaming numbers, but I know he never really sells well. I love his music. Yeah, he's very influential to right, the music sure. and to Atlanta and to the culture as a whole. But you know, I've heard struggles about some of his ticket sales not doing well. Um, you know, I don't know if I can really tap into a why. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that is just something that um, I don't know, man. I don't know why, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like, I don't know why people don't want to go see Young Thug perform. Right. right. <laughs> I would. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I don't, you know, I don't know, man. You know, I don't got, I don't got all the answers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I feel like it's a very common problem for, uh, like, so I do a lot of artist marketing stuff. So like, I have a bunch of streams, but can't sell tickets. Like it sucks. I mean, it, it's weird. Think, 
it's getting better. I think like a lot of like Spotify is showcasing upcoming concerts. Mm. YouTube, you can like if you're selling tickets to Ticketmaster, literally yeah, like yeah. a few clicks buy tickets off YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for like looking at an artist page. So I think they're like trying to create less friction of converting social followers into people that are buying tickets. Yeah. Generally speaking, I think. But I think that's just like in the same way that you grow online on socials often through just like consistency. It's yeah. like if all you're doing is making music and you're not like spending time doing small local shows, right. building up that in-person audience, like you need to take that same underlying principle of like yeah. consistency to doing shows. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of it has to do with some artists feel like they are too big to do certain shows a lot of times mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. especially now, right. Where everything's so transactional, like people don't want to do anything unless it's for the dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas before artists might, uh, y'all don't got a flight for me. All right, that's cool. We'll rent a car and drive to this show. Right. And right. Come perform for you guys. Now mm-hmm. people aren't moving unless they sitting in first class. Right. And then you got, uh, an Xbox and <laughs> three bottles of champagne on a rider. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So yeah, just, yeah. the culture's changing a lot. I think artists are getting a lot, you know, there's a lot more money in what we got, what we're doing. I think now too, though. Um, but it's just changing, man. I don't think artists are as hungry as they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, just because. The nature how things work also i think the show business as a whole is just t- kind of taking a hit because of the way the internet has made everything so accessible mm-hmm. so you know before you might not get to hear from your favorite artists but now you right. can just hop on a live mm-hmm. or follow their tweets or see them on instagram mm-hmm. and it's not the same demand the demand is not the same right you know I, sure. I tell people the same thing about like artist showcases i love doing showcases um but it's just not it doesn't provide the same value that it used to Totally. So it's like how you reinvent that wheel. Right, right. You know, so sure, that's kind sure. of something that we're working on right now. Totally. But another thing I wanted to speak on that you mentioned was, um, <clears throat> you know, the quality of an artist show. Mm-hmm. And when I first got started, uh, we did Chance the Rappers, like one of his first out of town shows out yeah. of, out of uh, Chicago. That's awesome. But before he performed in Ohio, I went to Chicago to see him perform 10 Day Live. And I was blown away. I'd never seen nothing like that before yeah. in my life. You know, he's this local kid. Uh, you could tell they spent hours upon hours on this show. Uh, super charismatic. I mean, you know how Chance yeah, is, man. Sure. But even at this time, this is super, it's 10 day. You know what I'm saying? This is before Acid Rap. This is That's crazy. This is early yeah. as fuck, but this show was so polished. Wow. It was like, yo, if you know this kid can perform this well, then, you know, word of mouth is going to, you know, yeah, it, for it, sure. it travels, you mm-hmm. know, not only from fans, but to buyers, to venues, mm-hmm. agents, they'll start talking and, now, now he's in demand, right? You know? Right. But if you have an artist who shows up late and yeah, disrespect for the security and like you know can't really sell, he's on stage like he doesn't care. That mm-hmm. works in the same way. People for sure. talk the same way. So totally, yeah. I actually saw Chance. He performed at my my brother. He went to Columbia College of Chicago, and they have like a, a like a mini festival the day before graduation. And Chance performed there for free. Apparently, he had done that three years in a row or whatever, and it, it was spiritual. And it was like, yo. This was like before he was big too. It's 2013. He'd obviously been coming up. I think I was, was there. Like, that's where I went. That's, that's where, where that was, was the yeah. same show. Yeah, I think so. Oh, I damn, worked. That's uh, crazy. That's but, crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a practicum up there uh, for event production, and we put on that festival. Oh, you did. Yeah. So the festival was good, yeah. and also the way he had the audience captivated. It was like, yeah. man, this this guy's he's the yeah. man. Yeah. You know? Shout out to Columbia, so, man. Super dope program. Yeah. I actually I wanted to stay, there. but I was like, no, like. Cause I got a second bachelor's there. Yeah, and I only had to do a year to get it. 
Um, but there was a, there was so many more classes that I wanted to take. But the cool thing about that program is like all the professors are working in the industry. And stuff. Yeah. So it's just a different. It's different from like a state school. I went to Bowling Green, which is like on the side of the road in on Toledo, <laughs> right? Where people are the professors are teaching and they're going home. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then what do you are, are you working in your fit, field still? Like what's your right. experience in your field that you're, you're supposed to be giving me this industry knowledge on? Mm-hmm. So Columbia is just a super dope program, man. And I had a border. Oh yeah, yeah, my brother went there too. Yeah, it's dope. Um, all right, we got a second hot take. What's the What's the next one? Industry nightlife is overrated. Elaborate. What's the end? What's the industry mean? No, I mean I think you. Yeah, more. I think when we were talking about it, it was in regards to like if you're in the industry, it's valuable to go into nightlife or like yeah. I think it's more. I think it's more so like these events. I don't want to get too into it because I want you to interpret it in a certain way and then answer it via your interpretation. You know what I mean? So really, what I'm saying is industry nightlife. Talking music industry, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, it's overrated for the culture. Is kind of what I'm saying, but uh, I mean, I would say yes and no. Uh, you know, I think it all depends it's a on. Good hot take. <laughs> yeah, I think it all depends on who you are as a person and right. why and why you're trying to be in these spaces. Right. Mm-hmm. And then also just your outlook on on what that what these events mean for you. Totally. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times, yes, they can be tired and you'll be like, yo, this is trash. I don't want to like it's a waste of my time. It's mm-hmm. overrated. But then, you know, there's also opportunities where you might bump into somebody who can change your life like this fast through a conversation. I mm-hmm. always tell people that's a dope thing about New York. That's why I love New York. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you might sit down on a train next to your next boss or somebody that could throw you a contract or something. You know, mm-hmm. you just never know. So uh, I think anything that's going on in New York where you put in valuable people or, you know, influential people in the same room and you have opportunity to kind of mix in that room, I think there's always opportunity. So I don't think it's ever like too overrated, but it all depends on your outlook, man. You know, sometimes you know, the industry can leave a bad taste in your mouth. You might step into that spot and it might be clicky and, you know, people might be smiling in your face and then, you know, mm-hmm. talking shit behind your back mm-hmm. or, you know, acting like you're cool and then threatening you next right. week because yeah, you don't yeah, want to yeah. sign. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I can definitely see how, you know, people can get tired. I get tired of it, you know, but then like last night I went to, given it wasn't the music industry, it's a Bleacher Report event. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it is always value out here, man. So it all depends on what type of person you are and what you want. How hungry uh, are you? Say it again. So how hungry are you? Oh, okay. I thought what you said how old are you for a second. <laughs> I thought you'd be like, what? <laughs> anyway, um, I don't want you to get too into that story because I don't, I you know, if it's a sensitive topic or whatever, but this this A&R threatened you. Like, was it a physical threat or like, was it like, I mean, you never going to work in the industry again type threat? It was both. It was both. Yeah, it was both, man. And um, <laughs> and it didn't even come directly through me, man. It was, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, man. And, you know, I'm not even like a super messy guy to be talking about it, but fuck it. It's like, bro, you threatened me. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, come on, bro. You know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, bro, he was actually talking to my business partner, which is crazy, right? Like talking crazy to me, talking crazy about me to my business partner. And, you know, my boy sent me the screenshot and he's talking wild, <laughs> like crazy, like goons and I got this and damn, just like ridiculous. And then, you know, at the end, there was like a black ball kind of statement being made and 
you know, I, I, mean, I called him immediately. Like, this isn't somebody I don't know. You know right. what I'm saying? I called him immediately, like, three, four times, no answer. Text him, like, yo, bro, like, if you got pressure with me, you got my you got my math. Like, just hit me, bro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah, yeah. no call back, no nothing. Yeah. I, I tweeted him. I'm like, yo, what's up? Like, yeah. I just, <laughs> at this point, I'm boiling. Like, I'm right. hot. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. Like, nah, you got to see me. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And no response. And then a week later, you know, somebody kind of, like, tried to reach out. And you know, yo, bro wants to sit down with you and talk and this and that. By this time, I already spent the whole week hot. So I'm mm-hmm. like, yo, you, you didn't threw my energy off. I'm not right. about to grant you a sit down, bro. Just keep so, that, keep that energy. That's yeah, you know, that's yeah. the energy you had. Just keep it, bro. Like you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Yeah. And um, yeah, bro. People try to get in. Like, oh, y'all got me in the middle of this. I don't, I don't have you in the middle of nothing. Right. I, I didn't call you to try to figure out what was going on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. So. It is what it is, man. But yeah, that was probably that's probably the wild. Well, that's not the wildest. <laughs> it's not. It's no, not the wildest. That's not the wild. <laughs> that's wild. But there's another situation that got kind of wild too. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm chilling, man. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. It's just it's a crazy industry, man. And you know, I guess I'm glad those two things happened though. Just so yeah. now. The next time it happens, I'm not throwing because this shit throws me off. I'm mm. not. I don't. I don't be causing no issues, man. If I do cause issues, I'm gonna say it's gonna be an issue to your face. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna try to blackball you or try to mess up your money or like you know what I'm saying. That's mm-hmm. just not how I, I'm from the Midwest. Like that's just right. not how we move. Yeah. And you know, you always hear about New York kind of being this like shark infested like place where people you know will stab you in your back if you try to take food off their mm-hmm. table or try to step mm-hmm. on their toes, et cetera. And you know, I was able to kind of experience a little bit of that. So. Uh, you know, I guess that was my my sure. my welcome to the city. You know what <laughs> yeah, I'm saying? I mean, relative to other industries, like I mean, I've worked in like worked with large corporations, I've worked yeah. with different like tech startups. Like I've been in a lot of different worlds. It, music industry is notorious for like sketchy shit happening yeah, bro. all the time. And yeah, I mean, man. it's obviously it's not something that like people want, but I mean, it's almost like accepted as just like. This is how this shit works. It just, it's just, I think the tolerance for that is a little bit higher. Yeah. So like people can move a little worse and yeah. they can just get by and right. then use that as validation for them to continue to do yeah, it. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's really no checks and balances. Right, it's right. Really not, you know, it's, if you're not, if you're not killing somebody or <laughs> committing a crime, I mean, it's all fair game. To right. be honest, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, I'm not. Again, I I don't care if that's the game or not. It's just not how I move. I, I don't want right. to move like that. For sure. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, I think it's something that is just like, you know, the music industry is real ego ego driven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's like the coolest table on earth. You kind right. of sort of. Building right. up like yeah. property, like talent yeah. around being super cool. And yeah. people idolize and the ego. people yeah, work yeah, for yeah, a lot I mean, of right. time, yeah, you know, yeah, so. Right, so everybody wants to sit at this table, man, and they'll do whatever they got to do to sit at the table. Um, you know, they always talk about how inclusion is a hell of a drug, right? Mm-hmm. Like people will do anything to be included. Mm-hmm. And I think because, the, I think it's just the ego part of the music industry, man. I think that's just kind of what creates that type of, that type of environment. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Where, for sure. You know, people might feel like you disrespecting them and you don't even have an idea what's going on. The egos is being pulled at. You For know sure. what I'm saying? It For just sure. creates that tension, man. And so it is what it is, though. Um, you know, I've, I love music. Um, I'm I'm happy to be kind of in the industry, I guess, whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever it is that we're doing out yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I got 
I have a passion for, you know, a lot of other things as well. So I'm yeah. kind of, I'm kind of happy to be pivoting right now. And, you That's know, cool. I just kind of solidified this, this little consultant contract. Dope. Um, awesome. So I'm happy to be kind of stepping into, essentially it was like an advertising space to a degree. Mm-hmm, right? right. So it's like a kind of cultural advertising marketing space that I'm entering right now. So I'm really just excited to learn a lot, mm-hmm. you know, gain those skills and then kind of apply them to animal house, my business. For yeah. sure, man. Just keep growing my business. It's beautiful, man. Well, we're yeah. excited to continue to see the development, man. Yeah, it's man. been fun for so sure. far. And only the beginning. Yeah. Cool, bro. Well, Any- Jordy, man, thank you so much for coming out today, man. It's thank been you, man. an absolute Appreciate pleasure. It. Is that the last hot take? That's the last hot take, man. <laughs> All right, yeah. You got you got another one that you're yeah, thinking yeah. of? Yeah. User generated hot take? Yeah, nah. <laughs> you know what some people sometimes think? <laughs> Six nine is the king of New York. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> that's a hot take. That's, that's, that's like the biggest. So that's for us? Nah, I just had to say it. <laughs> we can't even just cut right there, but yeah. let's, let's roll with it for a second. Jordan, Das. I'll just, I'll just speak some more, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, one, if people don't know this, man, we have the only performance with him and Trippy Red together. Oh, damn. Yeah, we did him, uh, we did them two together at Webster Hall before it shut down. Damn. But yeah, they performed polls live together, and um, we did it in production in uh, conjunction with uh, Barn Burner. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know those guys. Some of my homies, they throw events cool. too, do some management stuff. But anyway, the reason why I say that, man, and I actually was just saying it to my boy last night at yeah. at the BR event because yeah. Six Nine came, song came on. I was just looking like, yo, man, like people can say what they want about Six Nine. But, you know, a spade is a spade. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was actually a time where we had opportunity to do a third shift with 6 9 mm. But it was like peak sexual allegation headline 6 9 Yeah. And, you know, I was just like, uh, do I want to yeah, be special. in that realm? Yeah. That's, and that's I deal like with a lot of like, statement. you know, I have a lot of women friends mm-hmm. who are just like, nah, yeah. hell 6 9 sure, go to jail. Sure. You know, totally, like, totally. Yeah, so yeah. I was just a little bit timid about it. In retrospect, I kind of wish I would have did it because I think the Six Nine Legend is incredible. I don't care what yeah. people say about it. I think the story is dope. Um, you know how long it's been a while since we've seen somebody from New York have that type of run. You know, well, he's ten for ten or eleven for eleven on Billboard, whatever the number is. He's walking around telling everybody to suck his dick. <laughs> he, you know, he's yeah. I'm wondering he's what creating he thought about viral moments. Every yeah. everything he does goes viral. Yeah. You know, you could say it's a troll. It is what it. I mean, we're this is entertainment. Yeah, you know. So if he's entertaining, he's selling records. You know, I'm not trying to apply my morals to entertainment. I'm yeah. just looking at it for what it is. And yeah, for sure. I don't see anybody in New York that's doing that at that level. I mean, what's what would be his competition right now? Cardi, Cardi B. You said King though. King, Queen, King, Queen. So she, you think he's ahead uh, head in New York? Like, I mean, they they, they put Cardi one. B over him, but I don't know, man. The six nine story is is crazy. Like, yeah, for sure. It like uh, you know, the court case now is as to legend. It's just a crazy story. It's like one of the most entertaining stories on earth right now. Literally, mm-hmm. like it's entertaining. People are tapped in and paying attention. So that's that's why I say that, man. It's just you know things are. It, you know, he was able to just capture. He's like he's polarizing, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like he's just a polarizing figure. So, you know, hate him, love him, but he's six nine, and he's gonna keep making headlines. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, the beef with like trippy, like beefs in general. 
what percentage of them do you think are like legitimate like people beefing with each other and others that are like like on the air like fuck you should be red that's and then like, like yeah. right after like yeah they yeah. believe it that's <laughs> like that 50 cent and kanye yeah. Um, well, you know, I you know, I'll so question that beef for a long time because uh there's both signed at 10K. Mm. So you're on the same label. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was questioning it for a long time too, but I actually, you know, Trippy's from Ohio. Mm. So I know some of Trippy's team and I've had conversations with them. It's not a fake beef. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's exaggerated a little bit. Right, right. Especially with 6ix9ine just being able to he was triggering yeah. Trippy for a little for bit, sure. right? Um and then Trippy, you know, I don't think Trippy fuck with him. Like, bro, was yeah. disrespecting his, yeah, yeah. You know, his deceased family and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. things like that, you know, ain't, ain't no faking going on with that. But beef and whole, as yeah. a whole in the industry, right. sure, sometimes it's probably manufactured. People, yeah. even if it's not manufactured in a grants, people would just kind of step out of pocket to try to trigger you yeah. or, you know, try to build a name off you or just take advantage of your yeah. moment. Yeah. Right. So, you For know. Sure. Yeah. Word. All right, well, we're going to wrap it. Jordy, thank you so much, bro. It's been an absolute pleasure, man. Thanks for having me, man. man. Appreciate it. Till next time. Yes, sir. Cheers. Well, man, I thought that was super interesting. Couldn't agree more, man. I mean, one thing that I thought was really interesting is that, you know, as a music industry professional, I guess I just always assumed that the industry was black and white. Like, either you were super into it and you would do anything for it, or... You know, this is not for you. You're not hungry enough. And I think he gave a good balance of both and showed us what it was like to have something else outside of music, too, without too much commitment on either side. For sure. No, it's super cool talking about the interaction, that same vein between like brands and the culture and artists. I think there's obviously just incredible opportunities for really cool companies and brands to find clever and creative ways to collaborate with different artists and different people in like the culture, if you will. Beyond that, I also really enjoyed hearing Jordy talk about the notion of like understanding his value, right? It got to a point where labels started to realize the influence he had. If an artist performed there, it was such a good look for various artists. He'd bring in these influential crowds. Uh, so so different labels were like, Jordy, why don't we start putting together events? And, and he didn't just was like fun and like, yeah, yeah, great idea. Let's do it. Whatever you want. He really understood the the leverage, right? He built up his own property. He built up a community that he could use to help break artists and was charging accordingly. So I think on two sides, one, know your worth. Two, really think around building properties, building future leverage, right? What are different, whether it's different social media accounts or it's different party brands, right? To the extent that you can build up some sort of community and some sort of audience so that when you do decide you do want to plug your own client, your own brand, whatever it may be, you already have that leverage created. So I I think it's really cool to see how Jordy's done that. Um, and also really just excited for his continued success. So, so thank you, Jordy, for coming out. Thank you all for listening. Um, and as always, uh, don't hesitate to reach out on social media. Uh, we'll be back and we appreciate your support. Thank you guys.